Hello, my loves, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. I'm your host, Shannon, and we've got a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about today. Uh, and I want to uh, go ahead and introduce my guest to you. I'm really excited to uh, have you all listen to Amber um, and some wisdom, some gems she drops in the midst of that conversation. I thought we were just going to talk about curtains, um, but she dropped a lot of wisdom. So let's just dive right in. Congratulations are in order for Gail King, best friend of Oprah, friend in my head. Uh, first, her hair looks really nice lately, so that's an improvement. But also, she's going to be a grandma, a mima, a big mama, a nana. I think she's still trying to decide what she wants to be called. Uh, but her daughter got married, I feel like, at the end of last year. And now she and her husband are expecting a child. And Gail gets to be nana, grandma, big mama, whatever she wants to be. Uh, and that's always fun and exciting. New life, a new sweet baby is always such a good thing to celebrate in this world. So congrats to her. The Oscars just took place. It's always interesting because I don't really watch the Oscars. I generally don't care. Uh, a, I'm not the best movie watcher. Let's be transparent. I watch it, but I don't really care about prestige things. I just watch what I like. And so that means a lot of things that I like don't get Oscars or are not nominated and then the things that are nominated, I watch and go, that was weird. I don't like that. So it's just not my jam. It's whatever. Um, but of course, much was made about the fact that there were two, there was no lead actor from the Fred Hampton movie, which was weird. They put Lakeith and Daniel Kaluuya in both, both of them in the supporting actor category. So there's that, which was kind of weird, but Daniel Kaluuya won, so that was good. The makeup and hair people from uh, the Ma Rainey movie won, and they're the first black people, not just women, but the first black people to win in uh, best hair and makeup category, which is very interesting because it's always interesting to me when black people win things that you don't like. Like, I hated the makeup in Ma Rainey's movie. <laughs> And I get, like, you know, the, the stylistic choice, the idea of, like, this would historically be what the makeup looks like, and that's how Ma Rainey did her makeup, but mm, I still didn't like it. I don't care. So it's always interesting when, you know, it's like, hooray, good for you. I ain't like none of that mess, but I guess, you know. So congrats to them for winning for something I didn't really care for, which was the makeup in that movie. Um, and then, of course, Oscar's still going to Oscar, you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman has been posthumous, posthumously winning for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, at almost every award in the award season. His, you know, his wife, beautiful speeches and, and has been really representing him well in his passing. And so this year they rearranged the categories. It usually ends with best movie or best picture. Uh, but they put Best Actor at the end, and everyone, I think, thought that they were signaling that Chadwick was going to win a posthumous Oscar and how, uh, you know, deep that would be. They moved it all the way to the end, and I think Anthony Hopkins won, and he's the oldest person to have ever won an Oscar. But it felt like, bum, bum, ba womp, at the end. Oscar's going Oscar. I mean, 
they did what they wanted to do. They did what they always do. Now, what's been funny is there was the scene of, I guess it's scripted, but uh, Lil Rel hosted like a pre-show and, and he was asking people like what songs they liked from movies and was this nominated and was this song a winner? And Glenn Close ended up talking about the butt from, from the movie School Days, the most famous go-go song in the history of, of the world. Doing a butt ow, sex is sexy. That's the example for those of you who are young and have never heard it. Uh, but Glenn Close got up and did the butt, and she did a good job. It was fun. Now here's what else I want to add. Some of y'all are like, oh, she's invited to the cookout. Stop. Everybody's not invited to the cookout. The cookout is for us, okay? Now Glenn Close might get a plate sent home through a friend. And if Glenn Close has her own function, I would go knowing that it would probably be a good wang dang doodle. But I don't, I don't, I don't need y'all to keep, stop inviting everybody to the cookout because they can two-step a little bit. Okay? That's all I need. So let's keep going. Here's what I want to remind you guys. Oh, Red Table Talk is back. Let me not uh, skip skip over my, my thoughts. Red Table Talk is back. I love Red Table Talk. They had Bobby Brown on one episode. And listen, the way my heart, the way my heart cries for Bobby Brown, I just never expected to feel so much empathy and sadness for him. He's experienced so much loss and so much transition in his life, we, you know, we're all aware that he's lost Whitney, he's lost Bobby Christina, but he also lost two parents in a very short amount of time, his brother, and now his son, Bobby Jr., OD'd from drugs. And, and in many ways, he blamed himself and said that, you know, because he dabbled in those things, he thought his children thought it was okay for them to dabble safely. Um, and I can get why he feels like that, but every choice is, you know, people make their own choices. Yes, some people see their family dabble in certain things and feel like it's safer than others. But at the same time, you know, there are a number of people who have grown up around drug users and they know to avoid that stuff. So it's just sad. He also mentioned that he felt like uh, Nick Gordon, who I didn't realize had died. I think I forgot or I blocked out of my mind. But the young boy that was uh, Bobby Christina's partner She's, he still blames him for her passing and, and because he believes that he was the one bringing in drugs and he was also very abusive to her. Just, we pray for healing for Bobby. We pray for peace for Bobby because he's been through it. You know, I have some empathy for him and he's still trying to grow, trying to change. And that is always a nice thing to see in a person at the age that he is. And with all the experience he has, it's easy for someone to just wallow and say, this is it, I'm done. Um, so it's nice to see that he is still trying to grow and build closer bonds with his grown children and build new bonds with his new younger children. But interesting, interesting episode, interesting conversation. And then they did another episode with Polly Amory and Lil Willow talking about she's Polly, who she's dating at all. Don't you got you got to get one boyfriend before you worry about getting two or three. But you know. I respect whatever choices people choose to make, but I'm not sure about Willow because she's so young and um, <laughs> it's an interesting episode to watch. Uh, so, so Red Table Talk is always interesting. Let's go to uh, my next topic and that is how much I still cannot stand Tyrese Gibson. Why won't he just sing? 
Why won't he just fast and furious? Yes, I said it like it's a verb, and he can do it. Just sing, Tyrese. Tyrese, being silent, being handsome, and singing is truly his talent. But instead, he wants to do this. So Tyrese is separated from his wife, Samantha. But he already has a girlfriend because he went from begging God to bring his wife back to dating another chick in probably less than a week. Because he don't want to be with himself. He don't want to do his own work. So he's found a 25-year-old. Tyrese is 42. Uh, a young lady who has so little life experience that she's impressed by him. Um, and I say that because she's already been on Instagram saying how much she loves him and how he's taken her on so many dates. And so he's her king. <laughs> oh, oh. Y'all, please talk to your daughters. And when I say please talk to your daughter, I mean, oh, you fast. No, no, no. I mean, literally put them up on game. This is the thing. Is she an adult? Yes, she is. But what does a 42-year-old and a 25-year-old have in common? It's, no, she's, she just doesn't know as much. That's it. That's what they have in common. She doesn't know as much. And so this young lady is really impressed with a man who has a track record of horrible behavior, selfishness, craziness, and a wife that is literally running from the hills. How is he? You, but you special, boo. He's not. You don't see a track record. Every wife he ever has runs. He's going to be on Twitter crying about her in a little bit. But what's worse than him crying and weeping on Instagram about, like, seeing his children and things like that is what was actually shared on Instagram. This young lady shared a video of Tyrese shaving her nether regions. Now, typically, I tell y'all I look for the trash just to report it to you. This time, I had to set my own personal boundary. I refused to watch this video, but I did see a still shot um, as it was sort of discussed and talked about on my social media. There is a video this young lady has, and you see Tyrese's head and two feet on his shoulder, and he is narrating himself shaving her. Where, you know, very gynecologically positioned. Now, here's my issue. Now, what y'all get into is what y'all get into. Some folks shave, wax, sugar, you know, whatever. I don't really care, to be quite honest, because it's not my business. That's my point. None of this is my business. Whatever y'all's kink is, whatever y'all's interest is, whatever y'all are interested in doing, that's for y'all too. That's not for me. That's not for me. And I'm just confused as to why this young girl thought this was appropriate to share, like a very, very private moment between her and her partner on her Instagram, but also why grown, overly grown, excessively grown Tyrese also thought that this was okay to video and share on social media. It's not an OnlyFans account. Y'all are not sex workers. You're just like, it's just I'm, I think I'm frustrated by his overall lack of discernment at his big age. Like, at least she's 25. And so, you know, she's always grown up with social media. And maybe she doesn't have the boundaries necessary. She calls herself an influencer. So she is just sharing her life and, and, and going on, right? Very pretty girl. However, it's like, you are 42. There should have been no part of you that thought it was appropriate for you to shave this woman nether parts 
her lower regions on social media. And and to my knowledge, they don't show her actual body. It is Tyrese's face and the feet the whole time. But there's still no part of you that should have thought that that was appropriate in any way, shape, or form and told her, oh, okay, you should have said, do not record this or do not post it. Like, I'm just tired of Tyrese being at this big age and not being a better person. I am. I am. I'm tired of him. He's the worst. Oh, all right. Because he wears me low, let's move to the next topic. Have you all heard about, so there's a show on TLC, for those of you who um, may not listen and watch trash like I do, called Seeking Sister Wives. And it is a show about couples, um, you know, monogamous couples who are deciding to expand their relationship and have an additional woman because it's never we never get in a brother husband hmm. um and and add another woman and make her their sister wife so the first season was the one I watched and there was a couple that was very controversial the Snowdens because they are a black couple and they wanted a sister wife and they courted one season and the husband of course had sex with a girl he was dating before the wife agreed to it so that kind of blew up then the second season, they went through this whole rigmarole with this girl, Vanessa, and actually had a three-person commitment ceremony and families were involved and, you know, and, and you know, moms were not approving and it was a whole thing. And then before the show came back for season three, it was like, Vanessa is gone. Vanessa has left. Vanessa has abandoned this family. Vanessa does not want to be a sister wife no more. So apparently last season, there was another young lady who moved from South Africa with her children to be a sister wife to this family. And she is now claiming that uh, there's domestic abuse in this family that she had to deal with. She has requested a restraining order against the husband. And the only reason she didn't get one from the wife is because they need more information on their relationship. But she would like a restraining order from both of them. Um, and we're not sure if she had officially moved to the States or if she was just visiting, but she and her kids were staying with them in January and she said that they are abusive. She said that when she was intimate with him, he would slam her head into the headboard. Uh, he woke her up slamming her head into the headboard and was yelling at her. He would choke her and be abusive during sex. Um, and even after she said, I don't really like it like that. The more she said she didn't like it, the worse he was. Um, she says that the wife threw bottles at her, was verbally abusive, called her names. Um, anyone who watched the show, I just never had a good feeling about this couple. <laughs> I always felt like he wanted a sex slave and she wanted a servant to help her with her kids. And they would talk about this whole, like, oh, we're opening up, we're expanding for love, and this is, you know, this is traditional in, in ancient African cultures, the wives would do this. And, you know, they tried to make it sound so deep, but it just always seemed like she was a little jealous, but also really wanted someone to help her with the kids that she already had. And they just, I just never got the idea that this was actually, like, going to be a good idea for any woman who joined their union. Like most of the time I think, okay, the husband just wants extra, extra ladies in the house and the woman is going along with it. But I never felt right about either one of them for either reason. Um, you know, and she's very controlling. Like I remember in season two, she wanted 
the woman to be on a special diet because of pH issues and who, you know, she's, she's controlling. And then, you know, Dimitri is trash. Like you can just see he is hotep trash, you know, which is like trash that wears like, uh, African attire more so than regular trash. Like he's not in Tim's, but he's definitely in an open toe sandal and a breezy fabric and telling you about what he thinks the ancestors did. And usually it's always something that benefits him. So this is not surprising to me. I mean, I get, let me say it like this. The actual like choking of someone and slamming their head into walls is choke, is, is surprising. But them being flaw in terms of the way they treated the woman who was coming into their family didn't surprise me much because there's something about them that always gave me the ickies. It didn't. So I'm sure that'll be developing. I find it interesting because I was so intrigued by their weirdness. Here we go. This is the part of the episode in which I ask what's in the water at Hillsong. Hillsong United. Uh, Y'all know it's a literally a chain. It's the McDonald's of churches at this point of churches that started in Australia. They have locations all over the world and many in the United States. I think they're opening a new one in Atlanta with the gospel rapper, Da Truth will be the pastor. <laughs> you don't need to ask me twice if I would join. The answer is no and no and no. However, there is a very handsome man who is the executive director of a Hillsong church in New Jersey, uh, Darnell Barrett. And he... Uh, and the reason I'm asking what's in the water at Hillsong is because I feel like we get a new scandal and a new sex-related scandal with a different pastor from a different city. Like clockwork. Like, it's like quarterly. Um, because Justin Bieber's old pastor, Carl Lentz had some sex cheating scandal. And it's like something, it's it's like clockwork. They they just, what's there? What's do they? What do they need to do to clear that energy out? I don't know. But so this man sent photos of himself on Instagram. He claims that he was sending it just to his close friends and it was supposed to be like a post-workout. So he is dressed in like tights, um, but they're like sheer white tights and you can see a whole outline of what's going on. Now, I did look but could not find photos without the pixelated blur, uh, but it was a big blur. And so he sent, <laughs> it was a bolo size blur that he sent and it was supposedly to his close friends, but all of a sudden later, it got sent to this lady who used to be a volunteer at their church. And then he claimed, oh, I'm sorry, this was an accident, I'm sorry, blah, blah. But the lady was like, I'm calling BS on this, it was not an accident, you've sent me sort of flirtatious, you know, I'm in your city text, off and on. This man's only 32, I tell y'all I don't trust many pastors under the age of 50. I said 45 at one point, but you know, 40 is the new 30, so I'm up in my number. Um, yeah, but he sent these pictures separately to this girl who was a volunteer at the church. And I'm so proud of her because she, a lot of us people who would have gotten this text would have just been like, oh, I'm just gonna block him. But she called him out like, no, this is some trash. You know you sent me this so I could see your body. And then you wrote, oh, it's an accident. There was no way I would have gone through my timeline. And so if you're not familiar with Instagram stories, 
typically you have to go seek out stories. Like you go, there's a list of them. So there's your timeline and then there's the stories. And so you go and you click through people's pictures, right? And so when things are shared to you, whether they're close friends or not, you still have to go look for them. So if I did not go look for this particular person, it kind of doesn't matter if they shared something in their Instagram stories with me because I wouldn't have gone to look. Him messaging her and being like, oops, sorry, is what made her see it right so there was a strategy there and then you did it later after so you posted it once then you added her to the close friends quote unquote and then messaged her and said oops sorry so yes she called him out on his bull and then when he played innocent she blocked him and a lot of us would have just been like oh gross and just not called him out on it she called him out and said no I'm tired of this mess I'm tired of being offended that was very very wrong so he has resigned and he's he is very married because, of course, um, and he has said like I, I have to resign. There's been some infidelity and some other things, um, and so again, what's in the water at Hillsong? Because with the same situation with Carl Lentz and his moral failures and a few other people, and I just want to know why. What's happening at this church that they are constantly breeding leaders? that can't practice what they preach in the least bit. I don't know. That's just how much. Mm. Yeah. Y'all got to watch where y'all are going and who y'all are liking. I get it. Hillsong's really big, really popular. They have all these fancy songs, you know, and, and dark, smoky church services. And, and they're really good at working people up into a spiritual frenzy with their music totally okay cool that's what you're into but I do question why there is a pattern with their their church of sexual immorality to the point where it's like you don't have to be a good Christian to know not to do that mess right it's just things I just think people need to evaluate within themselves so that's been what has interested me this week of course we know DMX uh his service was this past week I didn't watch it because y'all know I don't do funerals, but I'm hearing it was uh, lovely. The choir was, I think, one of Kanye's choirs, and they did really good. And his ex-wife and his fiance had a lovely moment of bonding and um, and mutual respect that they shared for him and for each other, and that was nice. And, of course, people are like, that's what grown women do. That's what's grown. No, let's be honest. DMX's ex-wife is a saint, she put up with way more than most women would. She put up with, so let's not ask someone who is, you know, her standards are superhuman. We, let's give Tashira her flowers because she is a, a wife wife that none of the rest of us will be. Okay. But I also don't think she was the one who like busted up their marriage. The, the fiance is not one of the ones he cheated with. So it's probably much easier for Tashira to be friends with her because there is a level of mutual respect there. But yeah, so that's what everybody's been talking about this week. That's the update. I want you to stay tuned. We're going to take a short break. I'll be right back with my guest, interior designer, business owner, uh, and wonderful person, Amber Gray, is going to be here to join us and give us some wisdom and some ideas about taking risks, taking chances, as well as some good old practical home improvement tips. So stay tuned. I'll be right back, my loves.
All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm super excited to have my guest here. Uh, Hi, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, I definitely agree. Um, it's definitely been a while in the making, and I am so excited um, to be here with you and just to be able to speak to your audience and just um, you know talk about some of the things that you and I discussed personally and shine light in other areas. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Amber Gray. My first and last name are Colors. I always tell people that <laughs> nice little interesting way to just remember my name and it complements the field that I'm in, um, the creative space of interior design and interior styling. Um, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. I am a middle school teacher turned interior stylist. And uh, what I do is I transform lives and spaces, if you will, by designing areas that define moments. It's a very beautiful way to say it because I'm, you know, the queen of say it plain. I decorate, but you say it again now. <laughs> say it. No problem. Of course. Yes. I design spaces that define moments. I love that. That's such a deep way to say it only because there are some of us who think very hard about what we want our homes or our spaces to look like. And we're motivated by the cute or the function. But we don't think very hard about what the lived space is supposed to signify in our lives. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's that's such a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. I always tell people that design is really in the details as well. Like, yes, those bigger pieces of furniture are, of course, what you see when you first come in, whether it's the sofa, the accent chairs, the window treatments, artwork so on and so forth. But those details are really what create the moments and bring the cohesive design together. Um, so when you define those moments, whether it's with something meaningful or with something that creates a moment on that coffee table or on that space that can create another conversation or remind you of a moment, to me, those are the details that, that really just bring together the overall um, cohesive look. I love it. Now, when we first met, you, you, mentioned that you were a middle school teacher you were mm -hmm. in the middle of like your education career when we first met how did you what led you to education in the first place and then what led you to switch okay yeah great thanks question great question excuse me stumbled off my words <laughs> but um Yes, I was in the education field, um, and the thing that started me as an educator was my family. My father is a golf coach, baseball coach, and was a chemistry professor, um, and then trickled over into uh, being an associate athletic director. My grandmother is an assistant principal. My grandfather was a principal, so I was always around education, mm. um, and I love the relationship that they modeled and formed with their students. They weren't just teachers. They were mentors. They were parents if needed. Um, they were guidance counselors. They were college success coaches, you know, whatever hat they needed to wear to make an impact on that child and the way um, that feeling that they left and that mark that they left on that, that student or child's life. Um, was so meaningful to me and it was such a defining moment so I fell in love with that <laughs> and then as we know you know the education field has changed completely and so when I became a teacher I was expecting the type of not necessarily just relationships but 
the type of um, platform that they have cultivated in education. And um, after being a teacher for uh, five plus years, it was just not the same. Um, I love my kids and still love and miss them dearly, but they were the only reason why I was teaching. Um, So I, uh, my love for kids will will always be there. Um, I eventually um, want to decorate and design women in kids shelters or start a nonprofit that does such. So um, my favorite spaces to decorate, of course, are kids' rooms <laughs> for that reason, my love for kids. And I just got tired of changing my classroom around in order to scratch that creative itch, if you will, of mm. recreating spaces. Um, it was a win-win for my students and myself um, because – I would get to redecorate the classroom and they could see something new and and be um, engaged by the classroom or different groups, different desks set up. Um, I would theme my classrooms, whether it was Hollywood or um, I used to do movie studios, just anything I could do to, to, um, like I said, scratch that creative itch. Right. And it just did not, it wasn't enough after, after some time. So I had to switch gears and um, really just magnify what was important to Amber while I was staying and um, make a decision to leave. Now, there are some people who would say, you know, this is cute that you like to do this. Why don't you let that be Mm -hmm. your side hustle or your Mm -hmm. hobby, or you can do that on the weekends, which is, I think, a lot of us that have creative inclinations we kind of get told to have a day job and then do your creative stuff after work. How did you move from, I like to do this to I'm going to professionally switch and do this full time. Oh, wow. Thank you for that. So I decided that after um, leaving the education field that I wanted to just learn more and do more and just really see if it was, it was for me. I've never been in business before um but it never felt like work to me so because it did not feel like a work and because um so many other people would highlight how I was good at it and needed to do more of it than I could actually see because and my pastor says this all the time like other people will see your calling and your purpose sometimes Mm -hmm. before you will Mm -hmm. because it just comes naturally or feels natural to you you're like oh everybody can and I'm like, everybody can pick out the right side. So, no, or, we cannot. <laughs> no, <laughs> we cannot. <laughs> Let me tell you no, how I, many times I just stand in the old time pottery and go, What? I'm just gonna stand <laughs> here and hope the thing will call me to it. Like, no, yeah, everybody cannot. Right. Yeah, and I did not know that I was what I was doing was such a solution um, to, to problems. So, um, like that, for instance. So, I decided um, to make it a full design um, firm once I just decided to believe in myself and have the confidence and know that, you know, if I was gifted with this, then I need to do more of it. And how am I going to leave my mark? I can't leave my mark completely the way that I envision by just having it as a hobby. Mm. Because to me, that's not taking it seriously enough to see how far you're supposed to go in it. Um, And I feel like sometimes we can get um, 
we can get stuck and comfortable in saying, oh, I'll just make candles for me and my friends. And these mm. candles are phenomenal. And you're only making them for you and your friends when it's like, well, the world needs to be touched by these candles because that could be your light or your impact that you are supposed to leave on the world. And I feel like our life is, is such a, a testament for other people that by keeping it to ourselves, um, whether it's a candle making business or whether it's, you know, you, Shannon, starting this podcast, you know, you're sharing it with the world. And for me, it's, you know, choosing the elements that go in and make up these interior spaces. Mm-hmm. What if that kid needed a new room? What if that mother, you know, who possibly just had a divorce and needed her home refreshed in order to really start her life over? Um, if I don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. not, yes, someone else can do it, but there's not another Amber or another Shannon. So I just had to really um, take that leap of faith and and step out in what I knew um, I was supposed to do. I love it. So here's my question. And this, this question has come to me. This is why I feel like this is a divine conversation, because over the last week or so, I've been in various situations in my life in which I realized, oh, there is no risk without, you can't get a reward without a risk. And, yes, yes, yes. and I have had to look at my own life and look at the ways that maybe I was raised to be risk averse or the way that I was trained to be risk averse. And is that blocking some of my opportunities? Do uh-huh. you consider yourself a risk taker? I do. Um, I really do. Um, my friends say sometimes I, I play with fire. Um, and I say I play with fire. <laughs> um, because, and it takes me a while. I will not, you know, sit here and tell you that, oh, yeah, the risk approaches me and within the next hour, I'm going to take it. I um, have to sit back and, and, and meditate and, and think about it for a while before I decide to do it. But the likelihood of me doing it is, is pretty high. So, um Yes, yes, I do. And I, I agree with you with that comment. Without any risk, there is no rewards. You're operating in the what if if you don't. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. been hitting me like bricks over the last week or two. Is It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you can literally talk yourself out of a blessing. You can see a blessing and yeah. literally make it bad because you're so used to thinking of the problem versus right. this could go well. Like we're just so conditioned mm-hmm. to that. You mentioned your friends say you play with fire. I'm sure you had some naysayers, some doubts, some people going, you sure about that? How do you push past those, you know, and in some ways natural doubts or concerns? How do you push past? So the way that I do that, um, and it's so funny you asked that question because I literally was just going through that with um, my mental health therapist um, last month. And we came to the conclusion because I was, I was dealing with that, like, oh, Amber, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. Or, you know, you're here now, let's just stay here and stay comfortable kind of thing. Um, and so in talking to her and the questions that she posed, I came up with the idea to create a Amber resume, but for Amber, not that I'm submitting for a job. And on this resume, um, you know, just as you would with an everyday resume, I highlighted the experience that I had and then the past awards and recognition. Cause to me that, um, I always say if it's not written, it's not real. Mm. So if it's not written down and I can't visibly see it um, all the time, it doesn't mean that it did not happen. It's just when I see things there, 
um, on paper. For me, it's a visual reminder that if you did it before, you can do it again. And wait, Amber, you did this and you did that. Mm -hmm. So I remind myself that I have a proven track record to excel Mm -hmm. Um, during my time at FAMU. I was in student government, but I just couldn't be just a student government member. I decided to be a chairwoman within SGA, within my sorority um, of Delta. I could not just be um, a regular sorority member. (laughs) I was second vice president and then chapter president within teaching. You know, I couldn't just be a teacher. I was teacher of the year. So just reminding myself, like, hey, you've done this within the home field, HGTV, HSN, RISA. So I feel like when we remind ourselves not only how far he has brought us, but how we didn't think those things were possible, and now they're on our quote-unquote resume, um, it it allows that doubt to say, you know what, maybe I can do this. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to do this. You know, like it it pushes that away for me. Yeah, and that goes into celebrating Mm -hmm. ourselves. That's very hard for a lot of us to do. Um, I think I Uh I recently told my friend, I was like, you know, success is a moving target. You think back on the things that you were really working hard to do. Oh, I can't wait to graduate high school. And as soon, like the day after it's done and no one's excited anymore. And the eye is on what you're going to do in college. The day after you graduate from college, which everybody doesn't get to do, it turns into, you got a job. (laughs) So... So there is a part yeah. of you, you know, even like, you know, when you're dating, they want, when you're single, they want you to date. Once you're dating, they want you to get engaged. Once you're engaged, when's your date set? And the day yes. after the wedding, people are like, so babies. <laughs> you're like, right, uh, right, right. Uh, can I, you know, so we, we definitely don't get a chance to relish in whatever achievements there are because we keep moving the target. And it's good to have new goals, you know, but you're right yeah. in the sense of sometimes because we are looking at the next thing, we don't get a chance to really look back and say, oh, I was able to do something that was maybe hard. At one point, something was hard for me and I did it and I was able to accomplish it. So this next new thing, I can probably accomplish that too. Like we don't really yeah. focus on our achievements in a, in a mm-hmm. positive way, not an arrogant way, not a, you know, cause some right. folks, some folks, they really resting on something they did in eighth grade and you're like, let that go. Yes. Yes. So not so much that. I agree more. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, I did win that art contest in fourth grade. It's my moment. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Science fair project, whatever it may be. But you're exactly right. Like, okay, that was eighth grade. Yeah. But you know, if you got to dig deep like that, I guess. But just don't keep bringing it up. That's my question. Bring it up. Right, right, right. And I love how you say, like, take a pause and really celebrate where you are and taking in that moment. Um, 100% agree with you on, on that. Like, just taking time to, okay, let's just enjoy this year. We have made it past the, the marriage. I mean, not the marriage, sorry, the wedding, the wedding date, um, you know, or whatever that accomplishment is. I love how you put that. Because it's true. people. You will blow past yeah. every good thing in your life if, you, right. if you're not careful. And mm-hmm. then looking back mm-hmm. on, well, why didn't I enjoy that more? Because when you were in this fun period of your life, you didn't get to, you didn't really give yourself a chance to thank God for the blessing you had. You would focus on the next right. thing. And that can, that can really be hard. So yeah, we need to remember those things to give us the motivation to keep going for the next target. Yeah. That's yeah. really, really good. 
what was it like transitioning from a more traditional job to being in a new creative industry? It was a struggle for me, um, being a hundred percent honest. Like it was um, a struggle because um, with a traditional job, you know, you have your set times. You mm-hmm. know, when you're going to, you know, when you're getting to work. You know, some jobs you have to clock in, others you don't. You know, because you're on salary or hourly or whatever it may be. Um, you know, when you're going to get off, as far as like you know, if you have any breaks, me coming from the education field, I know you know what particular dates I would be off. Um, now, the creative industry, for me, it caused me to have just a, a lot more discipline and project management mm-hmm. um, and being able to operate in my space um, and owning that space and naming it, um, uh, setting the, the guidelines, the requirements for it, um, instead of someone else's confined box, which, you know, I had to remind myself, well, why did you leave? you know, the Mm. traditional job. Uh, I didn't like how things in the classroom were turning so political and the focus was off of the kids. Um, And so I'm like, well, how in this creative field can I still be disciplined and project manage and make it my own? Um, I had to really uh, grasp like, Amber, this is your company. You know, you decide these particular things. You decide how you're going to impact what you want to give to, um, so that was that was my my struggle, um, and I have sought out different resources and literature um, and coaches, if you will, to be able to assist me in this space. And then it, it took a lot of self awareness as well. Like, hey, you have to check in with yourself. You know right. what I mean? So that struggle of you know um, just making sure that I am meeting those benchmarks and goals that um, I'm setting for the company. And if I'm not, you know, making sure I'm assessing with my teaching job, we used to have a professional development evaluation of teachers. Mm -hmm. So going back to that in the creative space, just making sure that I'm assessing where I am, where we want to go and how do we get there and then how to evaluate what steps were in between missed or made that could have been better. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you've got to be the manager, the secretary, the everything, and, and and delegate all those things from a creative standpoint. And Correct, yeah. I think that's also a thing that we forget as creatives. Like, recently I had someone ask me to do a public appearance, do a hosting thing. I was super excited. And I'm focused as a creative on the event. And they're like, oh, can you send us a contract? And I was like, a contract? Me? <laughs> <laughs> oh I have to you know I don't you know I'm I'm on my way to big time I don't have like a manager that's gonna do this I had to sit down and be the legalista the everything that you forget Mm -hmm. when you're in that creative space you know if you were hired by a company there'd be a whole legal team or someone who handles all your contracts for every small thing you do within the company Mm -hmm. but that freedom that you get also comes with more responsibility uh, when you do creative yep. work and people forget that because they think they, they see when you have a fun job, quote unquote, they just see the fun <laughs> that day. Yes. Yeah. They don't really see like how much mental work takes place on the background before you can get to the fun part of your job. Right. So. Right. Right. I could not agree more because yeah, even when I am sharing things on social media, I'm like, people are like, Oh, it's so fun. You know, you do this. HFN or you do this, you know, within within Grayson, you know, you're shopping here, 
I'm just like, but do you know with all this shopping, I have to organize these receipts and do the accounting mm-hmm. and bookkeeping and go over it with my CPA and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the invoices, the purchase orders, the measurements, like right. all of the, the details in between the scheduling of contractors, the, the shipping delays, um, and chasing people so, down for your money sometimes because depending on what you're working on, people get, you know, cute about when they want to pay you or how they want to pay you. No, please don't cash at me. Cash app is fickle. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have yeah. to get <laughs> so specific about certain things. And, um, yeah, the chasing down feeling of your money is one of the things that has been the hardest transition from working in corporate to more creative freelance work is like, ooh, I do miss that every two weeks. Yes, <laughs> I do miss that good insurance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but right. at the same time, do I miss the hours that sometimes the work was done and I just have to sit here and twiddle my thumbs mm-hmm. because I have to beat my hours? No. You know, I don't have to, you know, so so everything has a trade-off. You're absolutely right. I agree, yeah. And it's okay if you can't do it. If you, listen... If you need your two weeks every, ain't nothing wrong with if you can't be an entrepreneur. I think uh, a lot of times we, because so many of us are interested in creative work and entrepreneurship and ownership, we sort of make it seem like everybody should want to do that. No, everybody don't want to do that because I want somebody to work for me one day. So if you don't want to do that, <laughs> that's fine yes. too. But yes. like, you know, that's all, that's a part of it. So tell me about your company. What led to you making a full company and not just like being a designer under someone else's brand? And so what led me to that? Thank you for asking me that because I get that question a lot. Like, oh, you were with, you know, this agent company, what happened happened or, you know, why not just join another firm? Well, for me, um, that desire, I've always had a burning desire to leave my own mark on the world mm-hmm. um, with the company. And then once I worked for others, me not agreeing with some of the things that are either in place or desiring for more mm. and being told no, I, and I, I can't believe I'm, I'm still saying this now. I don't like no. good know yourself that's okay I recently had someone say to me you know the problem is you want everything your way and I was like I don't understand why that's wrong what's what's the problem (laughs) yes correct and so know yourself that's okay exactly once you go through the fact check you know is this helping someone is this true is this honest is this making something better you know those three to five questions when being asked if the answer is what it needs to be, um, then I feel like we should move forward. So I feel like that goes kind of back to that being in the confined box. That desire to me just kept growing and growing and growing. So I did start in the beginning trying to, you know, possibly work under others or making it a hobby. It just was never enough for me. Um, and I say never enough because I wanted to make a larger impact than what I was attached to in that season. Mm. And so once that desire continued to grow, it just further confirmed to me that um, this is what needs to happen. 
Um, and if I'm being completely honest, even furthermore, a Grayson took off before I even planned for it to do so. Um, I called, um, I called one of my girlfriends, um, who was doing my mother, going to do my mother's makeup, um, for Mother's Day this time last year. And yeah. And so I was calling her because unfortunately I had to cancel because of, um, COVID, you know, and everything Mm -hmm. and, and things. And in the process of me, you know, having to unfortunately cancel with her, she was like, oh, Amber, I was going to call you anyway. My parents are moving here from New York, and um, I wanted you to do the house. I'm closing on the house in the next couple weeks. I want you to do the house. What? What do you mean you want me to do the house? Um, (laughs) That was was still like, wait, I, you know, I don't have a company where I'm doing houses right now. So, um, she brought me in. Um, she hired me to do three rooms. Well, in the midst of that, um, after we finished the first two rooms, she was like, oh, can we add on another two? And I was like, sure, no problem. So we add on the other two. And she decided to, um, you know, work on a room herself and get started. Then once she saw all that was going in, so she was like, Amber, can you just do the whole house? What? You want me to do this entire house? This is 10 rooms? <laughs> So I was completely blown away, but at the same time, I feel like in that moment, I know that um, for me personally, God has to push me sometimes. He pushed me out of education, and I say push because Amber didn't want to leave. Um, I didn't leave solely, you know, by my own choice. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, God, that was the push. When I left the staging company in 2020. I was actually preparing myself to hopefully stay, but I knew once I gave them an ultimatum, I had to be okay with them saying no. But I was really, you know, for me and truthfully honest, I was hoping that they say yeah, because they were part of my comfort zone and I really wanted to stay with them. But when they said, no, Amber, I'm sorry, we can't accommodate you. I immediately said before I can even think about it, thank you for telling me no. Because when I hear no, I hear a yes to move forward Mm. with what God has put in me. So sometimes we hear the connotation of no as being a bad thing. I see it as a good thing because it further confirms that if you're telling me no, then there's another door that I need to either exit or enter. Ooh, Amber about to take off. Don't make me throw this laptop. Ooh. Okay, go and ahead before I shout. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. She was blown away when, when she heard that. And I was even shocked that it came out when it did. And so I was like, okay, God, I need to leave, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and leave. And when I left, that is when um, um, my girlfriend, Crystal, reached out to me about her parents' home. Had I stayed with that staging company, I truthfully don't feel like if that opportunity presented itself, I would have said yes to her. So it was from there, no, that opened up a yes for me and then a yes for oh my God, I just did this entire house. There's no way I'm not going to get marketing photos of this. And no, because no now you have 10 this, rooms I, to market your work. Right, right. And it's like designers, you know, and I consider myself a baby designer. Some people don't. <laughs> I still consider myself, I'm still scratching the surface growing and, um, you know, just still learning the ropes. But a lot of designers, even three, four, sometimes 10 years in, are still hoping for a full house. To be able to do a full house, I feel like God is saying, this is what I need you to do. This mm-hmm. is the opportunity. The blank canvas I'm giving you, go. And um, with that, there in turn, birth Grayson. 
I love that. And you know, as you were speaking, and again, this is why I'm like, this is clearly divine timing because even throughout this week as I've been really contemplating making myself take risk without thinking too hard about it. Let me say it like that. Without, well, what could go wrong? And all the doubt, or as, um, because I was watching Super Soul Sunday and, uh, it was like an old episode with Michael Bernard Beckwith, and he was saying when, you, when you're wanting something to happen, we have to resist that need to keep saying, but I want it to be this way. Okay, I prayed about it. I want it that way. I want it that way. So, you know, I'm trying to shed that part of myself. So as you're uh-huh. talking, I'm literally hearing your gifts will make room for you, which for those of yes. you who are, who are Bible babies and church kids, I'm sure we've always heard that. And we hear it, but we don't see it in action a lot. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we don't hear it taught a lot in in a sense of like what you're good at you'll be in flow what is right for you yeah. will be in flow and that's not to say you never have challenges or you never have you know hard times I'm sure you've had challenges as you have done this new business right but mm-hmm. but there should be a feeling of flow and peace and this is where I'm in my gifting like it should make room for you to be there as opposed to yes. feeling like you are constantly jamming your head against a wall. And a lot of times yeah. we are, we are trained to expect everything to be hard and to be struggle and to be pain to the point where we can make the mm-hmm. pain. So hearing you <laughs> even say that, and that's why I was like, don't make me take off because for you to hear that, no, it didn't mean you weren't in your gift. It meant that there was, you had that right mindset of this, my gift is making room for me. Yes, exactly, exactly. And sometimes it can be like a catch-22 for me when I hear no, because when I say I don't like hearing no, I feel like the, the flesh part of me is like, oh my gosh, Amber, that means another level, which is probably harder. <laughs> it's on the way. So of course, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, if you just told me no, that means God's yes is bigger, and I know that he doesn't work small, so that means another level of Amber is about to be produced. I don't know if I'm ready for that. So <laughs> that fear of, you know, tries to, to creep in because of like, oh, God, I just heard a no. Not in a bad way, but that means God is about to move, you know, and he doesn't move small. So, um, yeah, that no for me is like, okay, thank you, but here it is. You know, it's happening, so definitely your gift will make room for you because that's exactly what what took place with that um there's no way i could have fathom a project of that magnitude um a budget of that magnitude to be able to do all of those rooms and furnish an entire home um i just couldn't even have marketed for something like that given uh, my staging experience um and my my just i just couldn't have so i knew that that was definitely um divine order but you know i wasn't surprised when you started the business at all like no nope when i saw it i was just like oh look she made it a whole business and (laughs) like i i fully expected you to do that like it wasn't surprising to me at all you're very much a starter Mm. Mm, I've never heard that before. Wow. That's how, I mean, like, that's how I was introduced to you. It was very much like, like, so for people who are not from Tampa and are not from our social circle, when I met you, it was because you had started mm-hmm. a social group called The Mixer. Any normal person Correct. moves to a town and says, oh, I'd like to meet a, a few people. Maybe I'll go, you turned it into a full club. <laughs> 
right with right. like activities and meetings and all this ex- like extra stuff yeah community service everything yeah yep, you're right so i'm not i wasn't surprised at all because you are mm-hmm. a full-fledged starter you don't do things mm-hmm. in a in a non like full out way at least in, in my interactions with you that's Mm-hmm. It made perfectly good sense. So it's so funny, you know, I asked you about the company that you were like, oh, it kind of just happened. And I'm surprised that it kind of just happened because mm-hmm. in my mind I was like, oh, she probably always wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I was trying to stay comfortable by still trying to work in the field, but not create. Gotcha. Um, like not start my own um, by working with other companies. And it's like literally when I heard, heard that no, it was like, okay, dang, I got to go ahead and start, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to go ahead and start. I have to go ahead and, and create my own business because, yeah, this no is, is not okay with me. So that's um, very interesting to hear. And thank you for that because um, I've never viewed myself as such, but I can't understand um I can understand that perspective <laughs> as far as like, yeah, with the mixer, it was all about starting. I always feel like where there is lack, there is opportunity. Mm. And if, um, if something is lacking, um, whether it's a product, a service, um, or even just like-minded individuals getting together, you know, someone has to be, you know, that the advocate for, for change or for more. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. So, of course, I'm going to ask you some actual uh, interior design stuff. You know, I do real estate, and this is like the buying season. People, well, it ain't much of a buying season for anybody because this is a super seller's market right now. However, this is when people like to move, and when people like to move, they start thinking of refreshing their home and things like that, and and new Uh furniture and things like that. So what advice would you give a, a person who may not be moving, but they want to spruce things up in their home? So if someone wants to, you know, just do something new, maybe let's say you've been in the um, in your home for a while, you know, COVID has had you to look at this corner a little bit longer than you did prior <laughs> to COVID. <laughs> um, I would I would say just my biggest advice is to start with one space. Um, so many times we overwhelm ourselves with wanting to just refresh the whole house and have a lot going on at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is the worst way to go because life happens. And let's say you're tearing up your floors, working on your ceiling, you know, getting things painted, and then something happens. Or for me, it kicks in that nothing is complete. And I need to walk in and see something complete so that I don't feel overwhelmed. And also, your money, the money adds up very quickly. Um, and so when you're doing these things, you want to make sure that in order to have a cohesive design, there is a process. Mm. You know, you want to bring in your contractor starts. You want to decide on the overall concept and theme so that, you know, if you decide to change that later, you can change some of those elements if you're still working on the foundational pieces. Um, and then just keep it in mind that delays will happen. Um, you can also look at just to you know, bring life to a space, mm-hmm. adding lighter colors. Um, lighter colors allows the airflow to just open up. It helps the feng shui. It um, creates a more tranquil and more just calming area. You know, of I did a, a recent project where I changed dark kitchen cabinets to white, and mm-hmm. the before and after that, you would have thought it was a whole different kitchen. 
And we, we get other elements, but just um, lightening up your space or your furniture or your walls makes a huge difference. Um, and also a lot of people um, don't really pay a lot of attention to this, but once it's added, it's like, wow, I would have never even thought that. Window treatments, whether it's Roman mm. shades, roller shades, drapery, um, whatever you choose, adding window treatments to dress a window speaks volumes and does wonders for a particular, like any particular room. Got it. Got it. Now you mentioned feng mm-hmm. shui. Explain feng shui for the people who may not know what that is or have heard that term. Of course. So feng shui speaks on um, energy and um, airflow and um, like for some people, they don't want mirrors in their bedrooms because mirrors tend to, I'm sorry, not mirrors, TVs. Yeah. Because TVs you are taking away the um, the purpose of the room, I should say, because your room is supposed to be for rest and relaxation. If you constantly have the TV going on, you're not being able to do that. So the mind is saying, well, this is the same room as a living room, where it's not. You know, you want your mind and your, your energy to be able to recognize the room for what it is and then be able to function based off of what that is. Um, same thing with your bathroom you know, or, or your bedroom, but the TV is one example of that. Gotcha. And some people are funny about mirrors mm-hmm. facing their bed. I don't know if that's feng shui mm-hmm. or hoodoo, but you know, people have, right. their own. <laughs> <laughs> you know, very true. And that's, that's fine and fair. And it's all about, cause like, I know I was watching HGTV and they it was house hunters and um, it is like an Asian tradition. I think it's Chinese. It is. Um, and the lady was very into uh, feng shui yeah, and she would mm-hmm. not allow a home where the stairs were at the door. You know, when you come in and it's right mm-hmm. at the, and it was interesting because I've never cared for that personally. Of course, you know, you can't always control uh-huh. the architecture of a home unless you're custom building it. However, it was just hey. funny to see someone have a reason for something that I've never liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the idea yeah, that it just yeah. chops through your home. So yes, feng shui is super cool to learn about and to study mm-hmm. and to consider when you're decorating your home. A lot of a lot of people love it for for different reasons. For myself, I just love how it promotes like, you know, good health and prosperity and um good energy, you know, and how mm-hmm. energy can be examined for those things for a particular house or room. So long as it deals with, you know, good you know it's, it's the same thing with those um what are they called the bamboo plants oh i love um, how they promote so those that goes into feng shui yeah that's true mm-hmm. and then we all know scientifically that certain colors uh emote certain yeah. experiences or or feelings in us um and so feng shui literally tells us to be mindful of those things but sometimes i think in the west we don't think that much about um, no, yeah, yeah. We don't think much about a lot of things in the West that may be a little bit more um, spiritual. You know, everybody kind of yeah. do our own thing. Um, but but it, there is scientific fact that those sorts of things do impact our mood and impact the way we feel. Mm-hmm. So that Definitely. is very very important. Very cool. Now, mm-hmm. if someone is saying they're listening. They're like, I don't know how to decorate, or I would love to have an interior decorator. What advice would you have for someone who is considering hiring you, for example? Um, so if you're considering hiring myself or another interior design firm or interior stylist, 
I would recommend um, before doing so or around the time to make sure that you um, have already talked to either your architecture, your builder, or your contractor if you're getting a new build. Um, if not, you want to ensure that um, you look at what you have, what you're going for um, in a particular time frame or budget for that. Um, again, I, I operate personally um, within Grayson Interiors with a project workflow of one room at a time because I don't want you to give me $50,000 and we're working on five, you know, different areas possibly and you're not able to walk in and at least see one room done. Mm. So that project workflow helps you not to be able to come in and see 10% here, 30% here, you know, 20% here. Um, and I'm like, oh, hey, we're out of money. <laughs> you know, right. and it's like, wait, they didn't see anything yet. Um, and so uh, that helps because when you see that room of completion, it gets you excited and anticipating the next room and the next room. And then you, you just understand the process to where you're literally seeing your home transform and develop um, and come to life room by room and step by step. So I would just say once you have a, a really good picture of your time frame, your budget, in your overall vision, then it is time to um, look into sourcing your interior designer. I love it. And you mentioned like they would give you that much money. That includes your services and you buying the furniture. Are you getting the actual furniture or is that just your services? So I break it up um, for myself. Some interior stylists do it differently. Um, but with my company, I separate the two. So we have your project budget that may be $50,000. Um, and then we have your grace and interiors design fee. And we operate on an hourly basis. And then we have packages and a la carte services within that. So if you're getting a full design service, we start with at least 50 hours starting off because, <laughs> and I say this in the most humble way, um, once we start, you will want more of your home done. And so proven, um, like previous projects, I should say, when you're just like, oh, yeah, let's add on this room, let's add on this room. Well, it's going to take me some time to be right. able to go right. back when I could have done this room and this room together. But because this room wasn't a part of the package, I didn't. So now it's going to take, I have to kind of sometimes almost retract and, and start over. So basically. Instead of it being a percentage base, it's now an hour hourly base. So, gotcha. but the two are separated. So that fifty thousand can include both, but you pay them separately. Okay, and you know what? That makes sense. That a person, you know, you can't just have a fly living room and then everything in your bedroom looks like it came from the dollar store that you sort of pieced together. Like it doesn't make sense. You're gonna want to mm -hmm. change things as you can. You know, maybe you can't do everything all at once, but it makes sense that if you are actually putting together a really fly space that you would want the rest of your home to reflect that. So that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing happened with, um, my client that, um, was the first Grace and Interiors client. We started with three rooms and then it turned to five rooms and it was like, Amber, can you just do the whole house? Right. Um, you know, so as the project grows, and then I have a, a, a repeat client now, I just closed her out last month, um, and she even brought up, she's like, Amber, you told me that this would happen at the consultation, <laughs> <laughs> and we did include her master bedroom, and now she's like, can you, can we restart can the we project back? in order yeah. to do my master bedroom? 
yeah, yeah. And we could have done, you know, her master bedroom while I was doing the rest of the first level of the house because I did literally everything on the first level except her master bedroom. And now we are um, <laughs> getting ready to do that. But um, it always happens because, you know, as well, she was like, oh, I just thought you were going to shop and make the house look nice. And, you know, once clients too um, see how much goes into it, you know, the measurements, the contractors, selecting the right thing, um, right. hoping that it works in space making sure all of the elements communicate well with each other and they speak to the overall design, the shopping trips, the returns, the, you know, vendors, just everything. It's, it's not just, hey, let me go and buy these things and put them in your home. Right. No. This <laughs> is so much more. Right. How much do you work with the person in the sense of, like, do they go shopping with you? Do they just tell you what they like? Uh, like, mm-hmm. how much of that is you as the professional saying this is what's hot versus them saying I really like because like you know some of us like stuff that's tacky how much of that Mm -hmm. is considered for you as a professional so um it really depends on the client and the project I have some clients that um but the system kind of works the same, mostly in the beginning. So with every client, it's almost like an onion, if you will. I have to peel off those layers because what I do is so personable um, because I'm in your home, I'm in your finances, I'm in your space. But right. it's also so uh, you have to trust the professional. Um, and in the nicest way, I always say, you know, well, you have to remember that you hired me to do the job. So I ha- I'm always going to present options. But you have to go back to why you hired me in the first right, place. Right, right. Um, so if you like what I do and you like my portfolio and my work, then you have to allow your designer to operate in that. I am not the designer that's like, hey, let's go with this blue sofa. This is the only option. Approve it. I'm going to buy it. It'll be here in two weeks. Right. No, <laughs> I'm going to give you options. We narrow down those options. And then every option I give you, I've already you know, decided that it's going to work and what other elements we can incorporate with it. So I never present something to a client that I'm not already 100% for. Um, And then once we finish that first room, I notice that my clients want less and less involvement. So that first room, their priority room is like kind of my uh, evaluation, if you will. Like, oh, let me see if you can really do what, you know, your picture showed that you can do. (laughs) And so once that first room is completed, it's like, oh, okay, whatever Amber says. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, whatever you say, Amber. Yeah, you got it, Amber, you know, so. And that first room um, is probably the room that they are most passionate about and the rest of the house is probably yeah. where they're kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine, as long as it looks nice. Right, right, right. That's exactly what it, it becomes. I started a client back in um, October of 2020, and we started with her office because, you know, a lot of people are working from home. So she wanted mm-hmm. her office done a certain way. She was so nervous to use emerald green throughout her house. Um, and that's another tip I would give people. Don't be afraid to, just like you walk into model homes, carry the color throughout your home. Um, and when you carry that color, it just gives it a cohesive thing, you know, whether it's green, blue, purple, whatever it may be. And then you have those rooms that can, of course, have character. I'm chuckling because um, emerald green is my color throughout my home. So I'm like, go. It is. I have a green couch because I had a dream about it. 
and then <laughs> I uh-huh. was like on the hunt for this green couch and had to get it like made through Macy's. They do like a ton of Macy's. That's my tip for everyone. If you, they have a ton of colors, Macy's furniture, and you can get a lot of things like custom made. Like you see it in the store, you like the way it's made, but they don't have the color there. They will make it for you. Like same oh. price. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so, yeah, so green is like my color throughout my house. It's like my house and my patio, mm-hmm. everything is like green. So where you look through, it's like the greens and I golds like are like my thing for all my great room areas. I love that. And I love the fact that you, you know, you mentioned more than one room because, you know, when you carry that color throughout, it just gives that level of being cohesive. And together, it just makes your home look more um, established and inviting. The same way they, they use the same psychology when doing model homes, whether it's KB homes, Lennar homes, MI homes, wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. When you walk into that model home, you're going to see that same room. Now, in the kids' rooms or the loft or the game room, that's where your character comes in. You know, I've done Toy Story rooms, Lego rooms, superhero, but those common areas you definitely want that color to um carry throughout and she loved beyonce so (laughs) she really wants her office to be that to be like lemonade inspired or just beyonce overall (laughs) sasha fierce goes to the office yes that's exactly (laughs) what she wanted she wants fearless and empowered and um, brave and like a, not necessarily a workaholic, but for her work ethic to be in heightened by looking at a model of someone that she saw that like didn't give up or didn't quit or always yeah. works. Yeah, um, Beyonce's the queen so, of hard work. That's true. Yes, <laughs> yes, she is. So having her in the office for her was perfect. She was just really nervous about carrying that emerald green throughout. And so um, I literally just um, wrapped up her project this month from September until now. We did four areas of her home and she absolutely loves Emerald Green. She was very grateful that, you know, um, I kind of have to sell her on carrying the color over (laughs) the other room. And she's so glad that we didn't like switch it up. So that's very important when you choose that color. um, Don't be afraid to just use it in all areas with limitations you don't want you know too much color everywhere (laughs) let's talk about limitations now (laughs) i'm on like these facebook i don't know they have those groups like black women who love decorating black women who love the patio and the outdoor group is nice they're all sweet look at my plant look at my furniture it's very sweet Uh them decorating girls boy they savages in there because somebody (laughs) will post like this is my new living room. This is what I did. And it turns into, you should hang your pictures lower. They're too high. I hate your furniture. Mm-hmm. Everything is mirrored. And you know, black women are very distinct about what they like. Some of us are very into all one colors and all these things. So right. I ask, you know, and I just don't say nothing. Cause I'm like, well, girl, it's your money. And if you want to live in this black and red home, I'm cool with that, you know, or whatever it is, right? You know, so I ask everybody, like, what is it a trend that you love that you see in decorating? And what is it that you're like, why is that a thing? Oh, great question. Yeah, because (laughs) I'm in some of those groups as well. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so terrible. Why are you saying this? But um, (laughs) so I get it. Um, but some design trends that are out there, I love, I'm mixing patterns. 
whether it's checks and strikes. Um, I think that's something that can really, uh, I won't say never get old, but for me personally, never get old. I think it, it can if you do too much of it or, you know, if you mix it with the wrong kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. But um, I love, like, just mixing textures and patterns. That is a trend for me. And that texture can come from a lamp, from a pillow, from a decorative accent. Um, that texture can come from, from those areas and um, mixing them with others the right way just always complements the overall design style. In addition to sculptured furniture, I love now how a lot of furniture, you know, an accent here can still have a back that's open or mm. a, a sofa can still be curved on the inner, not necessarily have arms um, and be upholstered. So sculptured furniture as well, um, to me, just really makes a statement because if you have that in a corner of an office or in a living room, it can create its own moment um, just by, you know, those curves can remind you of a woman. Those curves can remind you of different things. So I just think sculptured furniture is, is always a, a go-to for me. Um, it has a lot of character. I love that. Things that I don't love as much. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Definitely be. <laughs> like when I see people with artwork, I'm not artwork. I'm sorry. Um, wall per- paper that's like a mural in a sense, and I say a mural like it just has too much of everything going on, um, and it doesn't speak to to the design. I think when you are putting um, when you're dressing your wall especially with it being permanent with um, wallpaper or paint or wainscoting. Um, I like to have something to wear. If I want to change this out for a different season, I can. So um, having um, something that has more versatility and that can complement other elements um, to me just works better in the room. So that would be a design trend. I, I would get rid of any type of muled <laughs> wallpaper. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's still pretty nice. Though. Um, that's not. That's not a. That's not a heavy hitter. Yeah. No. Not. Not too much. Nope. Um, <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> like. What's another one? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Oh, something that's very dated, and I think we should completely get rid of. I, I still see them sometimes here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valances. Wait, what? When I a Vlance? What's a Vlance? Mm-hmm. Look, I'm. Uh, you can tell what kind of lady I am. Hold on, let me Google this. <laughs> no, you're fine. So a Vlance is like a window covering, but it has. Uh, it almost looks like a top box over a window. Oh, oh, like the auntie, the auntie things, the auntie yep, blonde. Yes. Okay. Look, I don't yeah. have the right name for them. <laughs> um. So those, I really, I, that would be something I would definitely get, get rid of. Yes. Those yeah. little, the little boxes or the ones that are like, See, this is, I think this is why, because you mentioned windows treatments earlier, and I realized I've been traumatized by, like, years of open the blinds for me, Shan, close the blinds for me, Shan. Like, my, my childhood was <laughs> nothing but opening, closing 
curtains and curtains and curtains. <laughs> and then there would be the the sheer panel in the middle, a curtain on the side, and then a little drapey thing at the top. And then don't let it be half put up because then it would fall. Get up there, Shannon, help me na- nail this back up. So I just have <laughs> been traumatized. Yes. By the amount of like four layers, because there's a blind, a sheer, a side curtain, a top thing yes. that, yes, yes, older black ladies love, they love fabric. Uh, mm-hmm. And they'll do it to a shower mm-hmm. if you don't watch them. Why is there so much fabric right? in the shower? Exactly. That's a, like your feel and different home, you will see it literally in a shower. And I just think about the mildew, the steam, the water, because it's fabric, you know, so... It needs to be clean, especially with all of that humidity there. So, and they, to me, they um, limit and confine what the window could be. I feel mm. like it takes the possibility of what the window can do. You know, um, I'm always a fan of panels and Roman shades um, because they just make the room look bigger as well as the window and they properly dress it. With you still being able to move it if needed. Once that balance is up there, that's it. It's just a that's heavy it. window. Like, covering. That's all you can do for that window. Yeah. I get it. I think that's why so many of us don't have proper uh, window dressings because we were traumatized from the 80s and 90s by our mamas <laughs> and our aunties and our big mamas and grandmas and all these. All of these parts, all these parts. So, yes. Okay. I, yes. I'm, I've, I've never been a fan. So, yes. I see that. Yeah. yeah. That's not yeah. it. Mm hmm. <laughs> those would definitely be um, in my top two. Okay. This has mm-hmm. been fun because, yeah, you know, empower the people so they can know how to get their own interior designer, but also what they can do mm-hmm. to spruce their stuff up if they're not in Florida and can't use you. So this is good. Yes, of course. So um, if you are looking for an interior designer, I would just say, of course, definitely shop around, get some consultations in, um, with, you know, us still kind of in the pandemic realm, um, just be mindful. And I overly emphasize this, um, when doing discovery calls or consultations of COVID delays, because it's making the project, of course, extend a lot longer, um, than we expect or anticipate. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's completely out of our hands. So just keep those things in mind and being realistic. And I say never settle. Um, I've had to talk my clients out of that a lot of times. Like if, if the sideboard A is really what you want, we have to be okay with waiting for sideboard A because if we get sideboard B or C, you're not going to be as happy um, because, you know, time is still going on. So I wouldn't say rush or settle. I don't believe anybody should settle on anything in life. You know, if you want it, be okay with um, waiting for it. In addition, um, I would just say to ensure that, um, you know kind of what you like when you see it um and just reminding yourself that this is your home you're transforming it and that it's going to um take time other than that i think that you're going to love the process um my clients are always just i mean i've had people to walk into the reveal crying purse dropping on the floor you know yelling screaming so get ready for that moment and and going back to what you said earlier, Shannon, like just embrace that moment, live in that moment, you know, um, and, and celebrate it. So I think all of those things are important. The interior design world is, um, it's still just always growing and transforming and thriving. So, 
um, just make sure you choose someone that you can trust and work with and um, enjoy the process. I love it. I love it. That is awesome. Tell the people where they can find you. Oh, most certainly. So um, you can find me on my website. That's grayson-interiors.com. Um, my Instagram handle is graysoninteriors underscore. And um, my Facebook is the same, graysoninteriors underscore as well. My name is Amber Gray. Um, and that's gray with an A, not an E. And um, that's everything, yeah. All right, and I'll have a link to all of that in the description box, listeners, so you can get in contact with her for all of your interior design needs. Tell them what you do again. You're making the moment. You're making the room for the moment. Yes. Okay, say, designing, say it right. <laughs> no problem. Of course, designing spaces that define moments. I love it. Thank you so much, Amber. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, um, Shannon, on this amazing platform and your audience. I love all of the amazing things that you're always doing. Such a great and genuine spirit, um, which I love. So I'm excited to hear um, the feedback and listen to more cocktail conversations. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone, that's going to do it for us this week. I'm so thankful to my guest, Amber Gray, for her willingness to share her journey with us. And uh, listen, if your house is ugly, call her. (laughs) She'll get you right, right? So I want to thank you all for listening, for joining me. Uh, As always, you can email me at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. You can send me a voice memo. The link is in the description box. And wherever you're listening, I encourage you to rate and subscribe. That really helps us get the word out about this podcast. So I love you, babies. Have a wonderful week. uh, And just be blessed. Be back next week. Bye.